Hi, you're listening to On Israel in Al Monitor. I'm Ben Kaspid from Tel Aviv. Just as uh, Israel's Arab neighbors were getting used to the change of administration in Washington, they're having to adapt to a post Netanyahu era in Jerusalem. The dynamic duo, Donald Trump and Benjamin Netanyahu, which set the tone for developments between Israel and its neighbors near and far for some four years, has exited the stage and the sides are facing a new state of play. The change is already evident. Last week, reports emerged that Israel's new Prime Minister, Naftali Bennett, met in secret with Jordan's King Abdullah, the first meeting in five years between an Israeli Prime Minister and the monarch next door. Although the palace was infuriated with the leak of the meeting, Netanyahu's departure from office clearly signals the start of reapproachment between the sides. Ken Bennett and his partner, Foreign Minister Yael Lapid, feel the big shoes Netanyahu left behind in orchestrating formal relations with Israel's Sunni allies in the region. Will the momentum Netanyahu launched continue? How will the deep crisis in Lebanon affect Israel, and can Israel influence it in any way? Can Israel play a role in second and third states, such as Sudan? We will uh, discuss these and other issues with a veteran expert in this field, Dr. Chaim Koren, Israel's former ambassador to Egypt and Israel's first ever ambassador to South Sudan, a respected diplomat in the Middle Eastern arena, a lecturer on Islamic studies who is well-versed in the public and clandestine ties between Israel and the Arab and Muslim world. Ambassador Dr. Chaim Koren will be with us right after this short break. If you're listening to this podcast, you obviously care about the Middle East. And if you do, you should probably be reading El Monitor. El Monitor is a global newsroom headquartered in Washington, D.C., with a network of over 160 contributors around the world. El Monitor offers first-class reporting and analysis from a range of perspectives and an approach that represents the highest journalistic standards, as well as an award-winning commitment to press freedom and independence. If you haven't done so already, visit us at elmonitor.com, check out our articles, and sign up for our free newsletters. There's a lot to choose from, including the Week in Review, an essay that offers unusual insights and forecasts into the region based upon El Monitor's outstanding reporting. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to our El Monitor podcast on your favorite podcast platform, on Israel with Ben Caspit and on the Middle East with me, Andrew Parasoliti. I'm very pri- privileged to say hello to uh, my colleague, uh, Ambassador Dr. Chaim Koren. Hi, Chaim. How are you doing? Good morning. Everything is fine. Thank you. Okay, so let's uh, start with the latest news. Naftali Bennett, the fresh uh, new uh, Prime Minister in Israel, meeting in Amman with King Abdullah. The king agreed to the meeting after refusing any contact with Netanyahu in recent years following a significant goodwill gesture by Israel, which agreed to double the annual uh, amount of water. It supplies Jordan from the Sea of Galilee from 50 million to 100 million cubic meters in the coming years. Do you see, Dr. Koren, the Bennett-Lapid government fixing 
what Netanyahu government broke in terms of relations with the Hashemite kingdom, and how do you see this ha happening, uh, panning out given Bennett's ultra-right uh, ultra views? Uh, first, uh, after uh, the visit of Prime Minister Bennett in Jordan, uh, the new president of Israel, Mr. Herzog, has spoken with, during the weekend with uh, King Abdullah, which is also uh, uh, joining the good news for the bilateral relations. But as you probably well aware, the mutual relations with Jordan going long back and the, uh, I would say, the strong informal relations are strategic. So, uh, it's very important to both sides to preserve and even to develop the relationship. So it's not a surprise that after some disappointment uh, due to the personal relationship with former Prime Minister Netanyahu and King Abdullah, uh, it would be improvement in the relationship. And I assume that any government in Israel has a very deep interest to strengthen the relationship, and it's including Prime Minister Bennett. So I uh, expecting that the uh, doubling of the amount of water, it will be the first step of strengthening the relationship. Uh, and as you're well aware, it goes also to the issue with the gas deal that we have uh, a contract for 15 years and other uh, regional issues the Jordan is very important part of it. So uh, I can imagine that uh, uh, the government of Israel do anything in order to go on with a good relation. So allow me, allow me to, to, to ask now a follow-up question. You, you just said the government in Israel will do everything, but I guess, you know, having a, the, the, the kingdom of Jordan contains, I, I guess, between 70 and 80% Palestinian pop population, that the king will be very happy if something will move uh, on the, between Israel and the Palestinians, uh, talking about negotiation, renewal of the negotiation. We just heard yesterday about a list of demands by uh, President Mahmoud Abbas uh, 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 to the Americans that he asked if, if we, uh, you want to renew the, the negotiation. And we just said, Naftali Bennett is an uh, ultra-right wing uh, ideologist. Is it possible? And if not, is it possible to maintain the improvement of the relationship without any move in the Palestinian-Israeli front? Uh, the whole picture in the Middle East in the last months have been changing. So uh, we got used to the situation that we are uh, comparing all the time a kind of equation of two-state solution or a different situation uh, that actually Prime Minister Netanyahu uh, were leading. Uh, but in the meantime, there are many, many changes uh, because of the factor of Abraham Accords and so on, which reflecting on the issue of the two-state solution. I know that uh, uh, King Abdullah is intent to raise this issue in his meeting with President Biden in their meeting. And uh, it's an interest of other uh, partners in the Middle East uh, as well, such as 
Sisi, Egypt, and so on, that would they would all like to uh, to move ahead with the Palestinian issue in order to uh, promote other regional issues that the Palestinian issue is stuck there and prevent uh, from moving ahead uh, with other issues. So it's interest of, of uh, uh, most of the parts here uh, to go ahead with that. And uh, even before Abraham Accords, I remember that the Arab League and Arab uh, government uh, spoke or gave all kind of uh, ideas for Israel that if they only would approve or improve a little bit the situation of the Saudi proposal or the Arab initiative uh, from 2001 and 2002, that will make our life easier in order to promote the uh, Israeli-Palestinian issue. So having into uh, consideration that this coming government is a coalition and there are many parts in it, including uh, small wing uh, uh, of Meret and Ram, uh, uh, of Mansour Abbas, uh, I would guess that uh, many efforts would be done uh, from the part of uh, members like Bennett and Lapid and even Saar in order to promote a kind of attempt to uh, go ahead with that problem. And I assume that uh, Bennett will try to get to a situation while he's trying to persuade uh, uh, Biden administration to enable uh, to go ahead with it, with the track of Abraham Accords and due to that to find any way to solve the issue of two-state solution. Okay, so let's move uh, from uh, the, our uh eastern border to what is going on in the northern front, uh, which is very, very interesting and uh, causing a lot of headache uh, here in Jerusalem. Uh, it's uh, no less important and uh, far more urgent, and I'm talking about Lebanon. The country is falling apart on uh, live television. People are uh, on the verge of starvation. Defense Minister Benny Gantz even offered Lebanon humanitarian help through the UN, should the situation concern Israel or conversely please Israel because it also weakens one of its greatest enemies, Iran's Hezbollah proxy. Okay. So uh, what I wanted to, you to, to talk about is, should we, should we be happy from what is going on in, uh, in Lebanon? or concerned or maybe sad because uh, on, once, on one hand, uh, Hezbollah is suffering like every, uh, everybody else in Lebanon. On the other hand, Nasrallah is uh, making an attempt to, to turn Iran to the savior of Lebanon, which can uh, uh, make Lebanon a total Iranian proxy. Uh, you, when your neighbor is suffering, it's never a good 
uh, way to uh, to be happy with that. It's our interest in it uh, uh, that our neighbors will be in the best situation that they can because it contributes to uh, the regional affairs and maybe in the future to promote better relationships. So it, it, it's sure that it's our concern and we care about people, not only humanitarian, uh, from a humanitarian point of view, but also as neighbors uh, with optional uh, issue for better relations. So yes, but Lebanon, it's a very old story that goes back uh, basically in the modern era to the French colonialism that created there a situation of all kinds of sects, religious that living together in the framework of nation state, but actually, Lebanon always suffered from uh, foreign involvement like Syria uh, uh, and others. And uh, the structure of the politics in Lebanon is that it's a kind of each sect initiative to live a better life that in certain time work in better harmony uh, than other times, but in the last few years, you probably remember the garbage strike that took almost a year in Lebanon, and more specifically after the assassination of uh, uh, Rafik al-Hariri, actually it came very bad situation, and Hezbollah as part of the Shiite community in Lebanon is Lebanese citizens, are Lebanese citizens, but they are blamed in within Lebanon, not only once as an agent of Iran that actually uh, creates a situation that uh, make Lebanon uh, very, very problematic. Now, the new suggestion of, uh, of Nasrallah to be, uh, uh, to be, uh, I would say, uh, depend on the, on the energy from Iran are not accepted well among many citizens of Lebanon because they're afraid that they will make Lebanon uh, one more proxy uh, a body for Iran, such as the Houthis in, in Yemen or, uh, uh, or Shiites in Iraq and so on, and they would like to be independent states when they used to be Paris of the Middle East with a good life, with a good uh, merchandise and, 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 and tourism, which is stopped now. Uh, but that a bad situation, we don't recall a long, long time ago. So uh, it depends heavily on the assistance that France and other Western countries would uh, would get to Lebanon, but those countries are conditioning uh, the assistance with a better situation within the, pol the Lebanese politics. So we need to see uh, where uh, the domestic uh, powers within Lebanon will enable Hezbollah to bring uh, the assistance of Iran to Lebanon. And from our part, as uh, Minister Gantz uh, had declared, I think it would be uh, both beneficial and uh, uh, humanitarian line to go on and, and, and offer assistance to Lebanon.
Yeah, you know, you're saying that actually that offering assistance is for free. So, uh, and and also correct me if I'm wrong. My conclusion conclusion from what you said is the threat, the immediate threat from uh, Hezbollah's Hassan Nasrallah uh, regarding the situation, the, the severe situation in Lebanon, is now less uh, than it uh, used to be before this crisis uh, erupted. Am, is am I right? is a, a, a little bit more complicated than that, but basically, yes, because uh, Hezbollah has its own problems uh, with uh, it, uh, suffering uh, many, many uh, loss of life of his people in Syria during uh, uh, working together with Iran against us from our uh, northern border, and they have a, a, a greater uh, uh, hostility uh, among the um, citizens of Lebanon against his activity. The blaming of uh, uh, Hezbollah as endangering of Lebanon security raised recently yes. with the big explosion in the, in the uh, Port of Beirut and also the blaming of uh, hiding uh, ammunition and missiles under the airport of Beirut are not giving uh, Hezbollah a big credit uh, among uh, uh, Lebanese citizens. And frankly, some, many of them ask themselves why uh, Hezbollah, because of its own uh, 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 interests, are endangering the entire state of Lebanon because it is. Uh, Nasrallah's ambitions in the area. Of course. So uh, the domestic uh, front right now is a lot more, uh, it, it's, it's on fire, so is uh, uh, occupied there. And I want to go uh, now to a place you know very well because you've been uh, Israel's ambassador to Egypt. And it is no secret that uh, Benjamin Netanyahu enjoyed a close relationship, not like the relationship with King Abdallah, with Egyptian President Assisi. Can, uh, in your opinion, uh, Ambassador uh, Chaim Cohen, Bennett Lapid government preserve this alliance and uh, on what basis? Uh, definitely. In the end, we're talking about uh, geostrategical interest. Uh, and uh, we need to say a word about President Sisi that he understood very fast that he needs to update the uh, main principle of the national security of Egypt and uh, due to that of the region. So when he came to power in 2014, he made very clear that his main interest is to preserve security of Egypt and the economy of Egypt, which means he needs to change the uh, platform and work uh, with as many alliances as he could in order to promote that. And that means uh, with, to create of a coalition with the Arab Sunni countries, which thinking uh, like him, the Emirates, Bahrain, Jordan, uh, 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 and Israel within that coalition, we, in order to uh, fight with the main two uh, targets that endangering the region. First, Iran. Second, the terrorism. 
Now, according to his definition, uh, uh, Muslim Brotherhood, Hamas, Islamic Jihad, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, they are all belong to the same source of terrorism, and he determined to fight with them. So it's very clear that the common interest with us, which are sharing a border and we are uh, uh, cooperating militarily against terrorism, it's very clear that it's a common interest. Now, bear in mind that uh, from the last few years, when we, we founded here in the Mediterranean, Eastern Mediterranean, many gas fields in the, in the sea, uh, uh, the uh, access between Egypt, Israel, Cyprus, and then to go out and uh, export this gas through Greek to Europe, and creating the Mediterranean, Eastern Mediterranean, the main hub of gas, made this interest even stronger now. So there's no reason not to cooperate uh, with those two countries. And I, I assume uh, Bennett and his government will find very easily the way to cooperate uh, on the same track uh, with President Sisi and to, to find out the common goals that we have together, I don't see any reason not to do so. As, as we referred to this uh, issue before, I think that Egyptian involvement in the arrangements of the crisis in Gaza will bring Bennett, Lapid and their people to, to understand the role of Egypt in, in the Palestinian issue as well, not only on the bilateral issue. And I, I assume the understanding in Biden administration, how important Egypt is in this region, will might promote any kind of a way that they will find a common ground to work together. What can we say, Ambassador Chaim Koren, about the military and security cooperation between the IDF and the intelligence in, uh, on both sides? We, we, you just uh, mentioned all the names of the terrorist organization that we actually uh, share between Israel and Egypt. You have Al-Qaeda, uh, uh, the branch of, uh, of the Sinai Peninsula. You have uh, Jihad and, uh, and Hamas in, uh, in the Gaza Strip. So uh, what can we say about... The, the very close cooperation uh, I'm, I'm talking about on the ground against these enemies. Uh, I think that once President Sisi spoke about it in a, uh, uh, in a program in the ABC, if I'm not uh, mistaken, about the cooperation, but usually uh, the sides are not giving uh, too many, many details. details about yes. Yeah. We keep low profile. So, uh, so let's talk about another place that you know very well. You served as uh, Israel's first ever ambassador to South Sudan, and you are very familiar with the situation uh, in Sudan. Do you think Israel should help Sudan with its economic uh, rebuilding? And could this uh, advanced normalization with Khartoum beyond the initial steps made by, made by uh, Netanyahu last year? I think uh, if you, again, if you look from regional perspective, Sudan is extremely important. When 
we're talking about Israel interest in the region. If Sudan will sign a final peace agreement with us, actually you have a very good access to the Red Sea. And in fact, if you uh, have a good relation with Egypt, with South Sudan, with uh, Sudan, with Ethiopia, all the way down to uh, Somalia and Djibouti, you have a much better and easier uh, presence in the Red Sea, while the Red Sea today around the world is extremely important a, 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 a place because if you just take a look who is being there from the European Union, from the American, Russia, Turkey, uh, India, China, that's a very- Iran. Uh, yeah, every, it's a very critical uh, uh, a place between the Indian Ocean, uh, the Red Sea, and the Mediterranean. So uh, this, the stability in that area is extremely important. You probably remember what happened during the 90s when NATO had to uh, fight against piracy and successfully uh, because of that important. And also that the corridor to Eastern Africa, namely when you go inside through uh, Somalia, uh, Kenya, Ethiopia, South Sudan, uh, Kenya, and Uganda, actually that's the area of where there's a lot of uh, Christian population, and they also helping to fight against terrorism in Africa, such as Al-Shabaab, Boko Haram, and others. And it's a very important stronghold for the Western world there. Uh, that, therefore, it's extremely important. Now, Israel has interest to work with Sudan due to the fact that Sudan used to be for many years, according uh, to Sudan's uh, terminology, an enemy of Israel. Now, mm -hmm. they stopped it basically, they, Bashir got a uh, decision to stop uh, uh, fighting, uh, to, to cooperating with terrorists in 2014 and in 2015, he stopped, he break the relationship with Iran and joined the co Arab coalition that fought in Yemen. And if you connected it to what I said about Sisi strategy in the region, Sudan became from an enemy of Egypt and the Arab coalition to another member of it, the joining them in the fought in Yemen against the Houthis and again Iran together. So it's a, a, extremely important uh, that Sudan will be part of that coalition. And that's why America is looking at Sudan as a very important power in the region. And also, of course, for Israel, the image of one more Arab country that followed uh, 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 Bahrain and the Emirates and, and other and Morocco and joining to uh, the relationship with Israel, it's extremely important. Now, practically, it definitely uh, can be very helpful because uh, Sudan needs badly for its economy many projects, specifically in agriculture, in irrigation, in solar energy, all these things that Israel has yes. a very good expert, well known all around the world, and we can definitely cooperate. Cooperating. By the, by the way, also, the, the foreign media published that before this decision that you just mentioned by President Bashir, the Israeli Air Force con conducted a few airstrikes in Sudan against uh, uh, weapons and ammunition that were sent from Iran in order to, you know, to go on the other way towards, uh, towards uh, Gaza, etc. 
that was, uh, according to foreign uh, press, it was from no 2009. Yes. Many bombing, both in the uh, in the place that uh, Iranian uh, 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 guards had uh, a, a factory for ammunition and 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 uh, uh, and missiles that uh, was brought through Port Sudan uh, to Gaza and also to Lebanon and also in 2010 and 12. Uh, I think that what brought Bashir then to uh, speak about changing uh, the, uh, the policy. Uh, the agenda and the policy, and his foreign minister then, Ibrahim Randour, said publicly that uh, what the hell we need from Iran, we have a bad image and we don't get the assistance we expected. And I think some of the temptation to move to towards the Saudi side was the uh, Support of Saudi, if uh, if Sudan will cut the relationship with uh, Iran and join the war in in Yemen, and that they expected to get the compensation, and let's hope that they will from the Washington, from Riyadh, and from Jerusalem. And you mentioned America, and also from the Emirates, and also from the Emirates. Of course, yeah. you mentioned that the United States. So I want uh, we are almost out of time, but I, I cannot. Uh, uh, we cannot uh, close this uh, interesting conversation without talking about the United States because uh, one secret of, uh, of the Netanyahu power vis-a-vis -vis, uh, all these Sunni uh, countries was his access to Washington in the Donald Trump era, his ability to deliver Washington. Now we have a brand new uh, administration, Democratic administration, the Joe Biden, uh, and they already issued the, uh, uh, the statement, a not very good statement about Israel uh, demolishing uh, a house of one terrorist in, uh, in the West Bank. So do you think the Biden uh, Bennett, I'm sorry, the Bennett Lapid government will be able to use this weapon that we call uh, Washington DC uh, in its contacts with the Arab states or, the, or, or do we face a, a brand new reality where Israel is, another, is just another state in the, in the region? Don't, let's don't forget that uh, President Biden is a very experienced American politician. He knows the Middle East as well. And frankly, he's he well known as a supporter of Israel for many, yes. many years. We don't need to forget that. When you check uh, um, very carefully his, uh, his officials that uh, running the issues in the Middle East, they are all very experienced and knowledgeable about the area. And I don't think there will be a big, uh, uh, you know, change in the uh, understanding of what's going on here. And they are not anti-Israeli. They know our people very well. Uh, don't forget that Benny Gantz is, uh, is well known there while the time he served there uh, as, as uh, attache and so on. And you know, they know, uh, our people, they know the area, they know the difficulties. One more thing that people tend to forget, uh, whether they like it or not, 
under Trump administration, and I will not go to domestic American issues, but what he did with the Abraham Accord changed some realities here in the Middle East. Now, as a smart and experienced uh, uh, president, uh, they cannot ignore it. Now, that's what I said before about connecting that with the Palestinian issue. They cannot ignore the changes and the good relations now between Israel and the Sunni Arab coalition that working for the sake of the U.S. as well as, as a superpower who seeks stability in the Middle East. So I'm sure that they will find a way together with Bennett government and Lapid to see how to go and work together and leave an open, uh, an open access and preserve uh, the special relationship with Israel. Uh, don't forget, we had our, uh, uh, our uh, 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 new government too here, not only in the US. And whenever you have new governments and you find a way to speak with each other, you can find a lot of common ground and preserve the special uh, uh, status of Israel in the U.S. So I, I'm not pessimistic in that uh, in that regard. I think uh, the new, both new administration can work pretty well together, and 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 also uh, uh, preserving the image of uh, the spe- and unique. Uh, I would say. Uh, unique uh, role of uh, Israel in the relation. And let's let's uh, not forget that the President Biden in the past said you don't need to be Jew in order to be a Zionist and, my, and I'm a Zionist. So, uh, right. so uh, we, we just arrived to my final uh, question because the, I, maybe this was, was supposed to be the first one because even if the Bennett-Lapid government will fail almost in everything and we don't hope it will happen, the historic uh, drama that it produced is first time in history uh, in the domestic arena. An Arab-Israeli party, Ram, is now an active member and player in Israel's government. It's like a, de- a dream that comes true. It's, it's the first time, of course, in, in Israel's history. And uh, I want to ask you as an expert to uh, also to the Israeli-Arab society, is Ram, under the leadership of Knesset member Mansour Abbas, a classic type of a fundamentalist Muslim Brotherhood party? And if so, can it truly bury its religious nationalist agenda in order to benefit its supporters by cooperating with the Zionist government? Do we agree with those who uh, regard this development as both dramatic and historic? Is that truly very interesting? Interesting. The first time that uh, 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 Islamic uh, uh, movement is joining the government. But uh, don't forget that really presented because even in Egypt, when uh, Muslim Brotherhood refused to uh, or be denied from joining the Egyptian government because their attitude. And here, out of the Middle East, here in the Zionist state, they're joining the government. That's really how we have to go a little bit more deeper in order to understand how it looked like. We have two uh, of the Islamic uh, 
movement in Israel, what we call the Northern One, which is totally identified with Hamas and the Muslim Brotherhood, headed by uh, uh, a man who uh, from what we call the Triangle, uh, Umar Fahim. The other place that is a very centered very well is Kafir Kanna in the Galilee, in the Those are the centers of the, what we call the Northern Islam denying any connection with the Zionist government. They, uh, they would adapt adopting the line of the Hamas. Now, the, the thousand uh, uh, Islamic movement headed by Abbas today was founded uh, in the 80s by Abdullah Nimr Dawish, who was from Kafir Qasim, and they decided not to go with the classical jihadist line of the Muslim Brotherhood, but to take part in the Israeli politics for the sake of its Arab citizens. So it for the first time joined the elections in the, uh, in the local, uh, uh, local um, authorities, which means uh, um, uh, cities- uh, the Municipality and, and, and local uh, authorities, yes. Yes. And they will integrate it into the system and which makes the uh, gap uh, between the northern uh, side totally ungappable. So they're actually not working together. The fact that for the first time we have uh, somebody, namely uh, Mansour Abbas, coming from northern side of Israel, from Mrar, uh, which is a, a place that Druze and Muslims and, 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 and Christian living together in the same place, it definitely reflecting on that uh, practical way of thinking. Now, I know that some other experts will argue that that's the way that Muslim uh, um, um, movements starting everywhere, like the Hamas, like what's going on with Erdogan in Turkey now, and so on, that's true. I'm not denying, but here we're talking about Israeli citizens, Arab Muslim, but Israeli citizens who are totally integrated with the, with the Israeli life here and truly care of interests that were frankly neglected by other Arab leaders here in the government, which were bound more sometimes to Palestinian interests rather than their own people who are living in Israel here. And he said very clearly, publicly, in Arabic and in English, that he would like to be part of a government in order to take care in a better way to the interest of the Arab citizens in Israel, which is makes sense. Now, now we need to see how this model is working. I think that the fact that Bennett government, who consider right-winger, together with Abbas, together with Meretz, that's very interesting uh, experiment to my mind uh, with a big potential to, uh, to promote relationship domestically among uh, 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 many parts of the population here. This, and this is the reason, Chaim uh, Cohen, I called it a, a historic move because it, it never is. happened before and it, maybe it will prove the Israelis that, uh, yes, we have Arabs in the coalition, Arabs in the government, not only Arabs, but the Islamic uh, movement, 
and the sun is still shining in the east and the, and the, everything's okay and the security is good and this can be the, the, the effect of this will will outlast uh, the the term of uh, of the Bennett Lapid government anyway i want to thank you uh, very much for this uh, very interesting conversation ambassador dr chaim koren it was privilege to us thank you goodbye and shalom thank you very much Thank you, and we'll uh, go to a short break. We'll be here with some final thoughts in a moment. Stay with us. I'm Andrew Parasoliti, president of the award-winning media news site, El Monitor, where we cover the Middle East with some of the best reporters and columnists anywhere. And I'm excited to announce our new podcast, On the Middle East, where each week I will interview newsmakers from the U.S. and the region about the latest news and trends with additional commentary from our on-the-ground correspondents. Those of you who follow the region know that what happens in the Middle East doesn't stay in the Middle East. And to cite another great movie line, every time the U.S. tries to get out, the region pulls us back. Your time is valuable, so let me promise you this. You will learn something and you will never be bored because each week we'll be talking with and listening to those leaders who are making the news and shaping the trends in this critical and fascinating region. So please subscribe to On the Middle East with me, Andrew Parasoliti. Thank you for staying with us. The first issue we discussed with uh, Ambassador Dr. Chaim Koren was uh, the renewal of a relationship, direct relationship between uh, Israel's Prime Minister, Naftali Bennett, and King uh, Abdullah uh, from uh, Amman, uh, Jordan. And uh, Ambassador Koren was optimistic. He has no doubt that the relationship between Israel and, and Jordan can be fixed and will improve, although he expects a, a new pressure from uh, Washington, D.C., President Assisi from Egypt, and King Abdullah from Jordan on Israel uh, on the Palestinian issue. We need to get something uh, done uh, on the ground, said uh, Ambassador Cohen. On the Lebanese front, Ambassador Cohen uh, uh, thinks that Hezbollah is under huge pressure. It's uh, less dangerous now than it used to be a few years ago before this crisis erupted. Uh, he is, uh, assumes that uh, the many in the Lebanese public sees uh, Nasrallah and Iran as more as the problem than the solution. It would be very difficult to Nasrallah to sell the Iranians as the future saviors of uh, Lebanon uh, in uh, Ambassador uh, Chaim Cohen's opinion. In general, Ambassador Koren is uh, optimistic about uh, the new government uh, chances in Israel to fill the gap of uh, the wide shoes that left after him uh, Benjamin Netanyahu that uh, evacuated the, the formal uh, house of the Prime Minister in Jerusalem and uh, Balfour Street just this Saturday. Uh, he, he thinks, that the Ambassador, that the, the previous American administration and the Prime Minister are leaving a very good job in the region, uh, talking about the Abraham Accords and the, the, the new deal in Israel containing, containing uh, 
Prime Minister Bennett and Foreign Minister Lapid will be able to go on uh, in this momentum, although the American administration is no longer a Republican uh, Trump, but Democratic Biden. I hope you found it uh, interesting, and I hope to meet you here next week in uh, Israel, in Al Monitor. I'm Ben Kaspi from Tel Aviv. Take care.